Welcome to The Schooled Podcast, a podcast about Christian schooling. We believe that Christian schools are a countercultural, revolutionary movement and a significant part of what God is doing in the world today. Join us as we explore the Christian schooling movement, its origins, its purpose, and its future. The end of last year, we record, we had this two episodes where we interviewed our, our courageous leader, Graham Irwin, and uh, that's worth checking out, so have a look at that. But we've had a bit of a break. We've been on holidays, you've been on holidays, but uh, we are back into it for this year. And uh, you talked, there, was, there was an article in The Australian, was there, in over Australian. the holidays? Now, you're a bit of a... You, you read The Australian I did. Regularly. I was saying before, I follow The Australian, so I know what's happening at Cessnox and Phillips. Because uh, national newspapers, it's the best way to stay up with it. So I was wading through articles about Cessnox and Phillips. And uh, it was just multiple. Just pictures of Darren. And um, filling up my screen. And uh, that grin. Anyway. Um, and I found this article. And it's... So it's titled, Faith Shown in Christian Schools as Enrolments Rise. And this article explains that Christian schools, while still a minority, have added more than 10,000 students in the last five years and seen an 18% overall growth, whereas government schools have seen a 7.7% growth. And so this article goes on to explain that Christian schools are rapidly increasing in number, that our enrolments are increasing, that faith in Christian schools has increased from Christians and people who are not Christians. Uh, that overall, people are starting to see Christian schools as schools of choice. And, uh, and this article is fascinating because it's an outsider's perspective on why that might be the case. Yeah, it's funny when people look and they say, oh, why that school's successful? And we hear these things, don't we? We hear, well, I send my child to that school because... They teach good morals. Uh, there's, there's respect in that school. There's a good culture in that school. Oh, there's, I like the pastoral care or the supportive network. But we know, uh, and we know, that it's actually more than that, isn't it? The, the thing that makes a Christian school more than a school uh, is not just these observable things that people identify from outside. It's interesting just seeing an outside perspective yeah. and then knowing the inside. Absolutely. And it's a little... Well, it's a bit like if... In, in the holidays, you know, at home, you might have been doing some cooking. You might decide to make a chicken burger, say. And uh, I don't know if you did any cooking, probably not. And, and you get some, some good buns and some mayonnaise and some, some chicken and, and some lettuce, and you can make a decent chicken burger, but it is never going to be a KFC Zinger burger. It's not. It's not, because you, you don't know the 11 secret herbs and spices. Yeah, a chicken burger is not a chicken burger, and a school is not a school. There are secret ingredients that uh, make it more than a school. That's right. And so it got us thinking, what is it? Because people are looking at Christian schools and saying, why does this work? And, and people are sending their children to our schools because they want good morals. They want a good education. But then there's something more, and there's a reason why our schools are growing, and so we started to explore that, didn't we? Yeah, and we were talking about it last week, and our conversation reminded me of a story of something that happened several years ago. So this is about four or five years ago. And I remember I was sitting in my office, it was towards the end of lunch, 
student lunch, and the teacher who had been on playground duty came flying into my office about two minutes before the end of lunch in their high vis and, uh, and said, Jamie, you need to come down. Um, we need help. Uh, the year nine boys are doing the wrong thing. And uh, it was, and something happened in the boys' toilets. And so I went down with them, went down the stairs. We got down there and inevitably got down there. There's no one there, right? So they, they knew we were coming. And, but when I, when, I, when I went in and checked it out, there was evidence that um, someone had been doing the wrong thing. And, uh, and anyone who's, who's a head of school or you're an assistant head or there's a, um, that's kind of part of your role to follow these things up, you know when something like that happens, there goes the rest of my day, probably the rest of my week, investigating, following up and doing all the things that need to happen when there's something, you know, an incident happens at school. So my afternoon was uh, taken up with you nine boys in my office one at a time, asking them questions, piecing together what had happened. And uh, I eventually started to get a bit of a picture. And so then finally I brought this young man in, into my office and uh, so you always bring the one you suspect the most in last once you've gathered as much information as you've got. And, and I said to you've him... Done, you've done this before. I have. You? And I said to him, I've spoken to a lot of people and I know a lot of information and I'm going to tell you what I know. But before I tell you what I know, is there anything you want to say to me? It's the, um, it's the all-in bluff. <laughs> and You've got nothing else after that, do you? And, and to his credit, this young man um, said, yes, I do. And he, and he, and he told me um, what he had done and, uh, and you know, confessed and owned up to some, some pretty serious stuff. And I said to him, you realise this is really serious? Yes. You realise you're in a lot of trouble? Yes. I'm going to have to contact your parents? Yes, I know that. Probably got to call the police. Yeah, I know that. And the, um, the following morning, we had this um, meeting with a parent and him and myself and, and Pam, our principal. And, uh, you know, in schools, we get to be there for the highlights for families, for graduations and celebrations and all that sort of things. But so often, we're also there in some of the most um, heartbreaking, broken times for families. And it's a... It's a it's something that we should never underestimate, that we should never take for granted or treat lightly. But this was one of those conversations. And parents, you know, we have so much hope and aspiration tied up in our children and their future. And this was one of those moments where, you know, a future was looking questionable. And uh, so this young man, he, he had to, he, he couldn't come back to school the next day. He had to have an extended time away. And really there was grounds for him not to be back at school. And we had a decision to make. Are we going to, are we going to have him back? Because we've, we've got every reason to say, um, you know, find somewhere else. But uh, I, we had an executive meeting. And at our executive meeting, we, we did a devotion and we talked about the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. And we talked about that correlation, but, well, the, the link between discipline and discipleship. And that... That's the same root word, and we can actually do discipline when we do it with the right heart and in the right spirit and, and led by God. Uh, we can do it in a way that is discipling people towards Jesus. And so we determined to do that, and so time went past, and all the things that needed to happen happened. And so we were having, we had a meeting with this young man and his, um, one of his parents about coming back into school, and uh, we spoke that into him. We said, you know, you're better than this. 
Um, you've, you're created for a life that's way better than the trajectory that you're on. Um, God has more for you. And he's not a Christian. His parent was not a Christian that was in the room there. Um, but we, we spoke that. And then Pam, our principal, she, she, at the end of it, she said, can I pray for you? And um, not Christians, but given the circumstances, they were very obliging and said, yeah, um, please pray for us. And, and so we did. And, um, and, and, we, and, and he came back to school and we integrated him back into school. Now, I had not thought of that, what had ha- that had happened. I haven't really thought about that again for years until last week we were speaking, Josh, and you said, because this young man's grown up now, he's left school, and you said he contacted you. Yeah, he contacted me in the holidays. We were out for dinner, and, uh, and he sent me a message. He's like, can, can I call you? And uh, he wanted to ask me something. And I was like, okay. He said, would you come and baptise me? And I was like, this is incredible. And, and I, mean, I have a part of my role is working like with the chaplains and a ministry team. And, and what a joy to be able to, to baptise one of your students. Actually, me and our executive principal, that we did that together. And that was incredible to be able to baptise this guy and his friend in his friend's pool with family with his pastors, youth pastors, spiritual family around in the holidays. And it was phenomenal. And this, this young man now has a standalone faith. His parents are still not Christians. They don't fully understand. He went to youth camp, uh, which was just before his HSC. They didn't understand. But he has a standalone faith. And I think this is phenomenal because I feel like Jamie and I like the bookends of this journey. Like, Jamie suspends them. I suspend them, you baptise them. And I get them. to baptise them, yeah. <laughs> Christian schools it's in action. It's like, you yeah. know, high five. Like, what a team. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, um, and that's just the way we do things in Newcastle. Um, <laughs> but I love the fact, like, I can't take credit for his journey because I played a very small part and you played a small part and there are a whole lot of people in between who also played a small part. And when we look at this, we go, what is, what's the secret ingredient that yep, led to this? The 11 herbs and spices yeah, what, is the, what are these 11 herbs and spices? And when it comes down to it, we know that our number one Sunday school answer is Jesus. And you know, and, and we can sort of throw that out. But we know that, that is, Jesus is incredibly powerful and he transforms lives. And our schools are places of transformation, and we've seen with this young man, but not just this young man, with countless people. Yeah, it's a story that's repeated over and over again in all our schools in different yeah. ways, and uh, it's not always the same, but lives changed um, mm. is what we get to be a part of and what we do. Absolutely. And we've seen students who've become Christians, and then their whole families have become Christians. And it's countless times. And that is phenomenal. So, so what is it in that? Because Jesus calls us to go and make disciples. And this is a story where we've actually seen someone become a disciple. He is now apprenticing his life to Jesus. And we were a part of that. Yeah. So, so what is, I, I guess we, we've got a few, we've just got four secret herbs and spices today. And there's probably many more. But we just want to go through a couple of key things that we think uh, are the key elements to a good Christian school that we're all part of. Yeah, they, these are the, probably the things that stood out in mm. reflecting on that particular um, situation. So uh, the first uh, ingredient uh, that 
I thought in this whole situation was uh, the partnering of truth and grace together. I think we've got, we're uniquely positioned as uh, Christian educators in a Christian school to bring truth and also to bring grace. Now, if, if, we, if we come just with all, all grace, it can become very permissive and, and vague and has no substance and, uh, and can go really wrong. Um, if we come in with all truth and rules and regulations, uh, we can very quickly become very judgy, very critical, and uh, just be speaking death, even though it's you know even though I'm I'm right. Um, but if we can, as led by the Holy Spirit, and I think that's what it's going to be, bring together the truth, partner that with grace, and let that um, guide the way we relate to our students, to the families, to one another within our school. I think that's a really uh, important ingredient to making yeah. our schools what they are. Absolutely. I think that started even like from the moment you were disciplining him, uh, that you were led by the Holy Spirit. And you could have pulled out the, you know, the policy book and matched... Managing you know, student behaviour policy. Yeah, the crime. This is the crime you did. This is the punishment. And, you know, and kicked him out. Uh, instead, I think, led by the Holy Spirit, you're like, that isn't actually the right way for this student. And uh, so, so I think it's... it's it's finding that, that balance there, uh, which is sort of the part that we all have to play in that. And I think being led by the Holy Spirit, we sometimes talk about that as some kind of ethereal kind of thing. Oh, I'm a Christian, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. You can easily be a Christian and not be being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, we need to pray. You know, we come to these situations and there's, you know, there's a proverb talks, there's a way that seems right but in the end it leads to destruction. And I've, I've been guilty at times. There's a way that seems right to me. I think this is the way I should go. But um, when I pray, God changes my heart and, uh, and then that shapes my yeah. behaviour and my response. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So the first one is truth and grace. The, the second one that we saw in this was authentic faith. And it was yeah. staff. In this boy's whole journey, he encountered people who had an authentic faith, like a genuine love for Jesus. People who took the Great Commission seriously and see their work here at school not just as a job but as a calling. And there's a, there's a big difference. Obviously, we're all paid and this is our job, but you're called to be here. And it was staff who saw that as a calling who said, I'm actually going to invest my life into yours, not just do sort of the little bit, you know, this is the part I'm paid for and I'm just going to do that, but actually go, no, I'm going to model an authentic, real faith it goes beyond what I get. Like, it's a faith whether we get paid or not. You know, it's something that's real. And so this young man encountered people who genuinely, authentically love Jesus. And that is actually what, that, that was like one of the pivotal moments. And that, and that was the staff at the yeah. school. That was his teachers. That was his, the ministry team, people like that who got around him. So, so truth and grace together, um, led by the Holy Spirit. Authentic faith and staff who are fully engaged with this as ministry and as the Great Commission. Uh, also something that I saw significant in this particular case and with many others is there was exposure to ministry and, uh, and I guess, God activities, you know, ministry opportunities. And I, I, sometimes we can think, well, I'm just showing my faith because I believe in God and I I'm going to be kind and I'm going to smile at students and I'm go- and, and that's all really good like please smile but but there's something really powerful about um, 
helping our young people to have experiences where they will encounter God. Uh, whether, that's in, whether, whether that's in how we do a chapel or uh, ministry trips and mission trips and that kind of thing. And that was, that was a significant one in this case. And we often hear from students when they finish school, yeah. don't we? So we do a survey at the end of year 12, an exit survey, and there's a section of questions where we talk about, you know, how, how's your faith changed or um, developed in your time at the school? And so we can track that and see, are we making a difference? Are we fulfilling that point one of our every student vision? And... So often, so often, uh, students who have had a profound turnaround and have found God during their time at school refer back to, uh, like, it's the mission trips. Yeah. It's those kind of, it's those intensive times. Yeah, they were the times where they were sort of taken maybe out of their comfort zone or where they were able to see God move in ways that maybe we often don't see happen at school and see it powerfully in other communities. So that, and that for this young man was an incredibly tu- incredible turnaround moment. Yes. So, truth and grace, authentic faith, ministry opportunities, and I guess the fourth one we have is real relationships. Now, now part of this boy's story was that he actually watched Steph Curry's MVP you know, video from the NBA, and he talked about his faith, and he'd seen people you know, demonstrating faith. He saw this, and it sort of just triggered, a whole lot of things clicked. And he walked into the barracks cafe at school, and walked up to Nick, one of our chaplains, and started asking Nick questions. And Nick had developed a, a genuine relationship with this guy over many years. And instead of giving him cookie-cutter answers, and this is what you need to do, or this is what you need to believe, he gave him time. He answered his questions and led him to Jesus in the cafe. And if you need any more evidence for a cafe or a chaplain... <laughs> it's a great partnership. It's a great, great partnership. So... Uh, yeah, it makes up for all the ridicule chaplains receive for ever being in the cafe. Uh, there we go. But a, he had a real relationship. And, and, and this young man had real relationships with staff who genuinely cared about him and with other friends who were able to rally around him because his journey in becoming a Christian was not easy. He copped absolute flack from his friends and from different people for having a faith in God. And uh, that his friends couldn't understand. He was, you know, ridiculed for it. Uh, but he had other friends who gathered around him and supported him. He had staff who cared about him. And, uh, and he's still on a journey. But I think having those real relationships with people who know him, that was a, a standout, you know, thing for, in this boy's story, isn't it? Yeah, and it, was, and it was the, yes, relationships with staff and also those other Christian students in his uh, year group uh, who I really believe were empowered uh, to disciple him. So they were, they were empowered as disciple makers themselves yeah. um, by, the, by the context and the environment they yeah. were in at the school. So powerful. So truth and grace together. Authentic faith demonstrated by staff, ministry opportunities and exposure to um, the Holy Spirit and uh, real relationships uh, there's some of the secret ingredients. There's more. I know you're thinking of it right now. Uh, it's, it's something just to reflect on and think about for the beginning of 2020 because our prayer for you and for us is that as 2020 begins and we go into tomorrow and then and the next week and we, we're writing our programs and we're welcoming back students and we're meeting with our teams, uh, our prayer is that we would not forget uh, the thing that makes each of our schools more than a school, and that's 
Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. So be blessed, be encouraged, and uh, have a fantastic 2020. Absolutely.